We've got a great show for you on State Your Line today. We have Amber Arnett Beckwith. She's the Queen of Haunts, owner and operator of the Beast and Edge of Hell Haunted Houses. We, of course, have to talk uh, Baby Mahomes and the gender reveal that took place uh, last week. We've got to talk about the snow that came in this week. Uh, we've got the, a mixed plate of the greatest fears that Kansas Cityans have. And we've got some openings, and we've tried new things this week as well. So a great episode for you. And this episode of State Your Line is brought to you by Lead Bank. Lead Bank is a community bank headquartered in Kansas City. This is a bank that creates a better future for real people. The team at Lead Bank accelerates advocacy for inclusiveness and believes in equity for all people because they understand that it's the their fundamental duty to innovate and to help people just like you and me to achieve financial security for themselves. They also refuse to accept geographic constraints and focus on offering fair, transparent, and ethical banking solutions to all communities. Lead Bank serves a variety of communities and wants to be your book for good. So if you are looking for a high-quality financial product, then look no farther. Being at the heart of the success of different communities is what Lead Bank has done for 90 years and will continue to do for the next 90 years. For more information, call 816-220-8600 or visit www.lead.bank. Welcome in to State Your Line, a podcast for Kansas Cityans by Kansas Cityans. We are the Rich Brothers. Today is October 27th. Happy birthday, Kev. Oh, why, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're going to start the podcast with something stupid like snow. It is your birthday. (laughs) Today is your birthday. 30th. Holy shnikes. 3-0. Three zero, the big three zero. I'm gonna definitely take this, clip it, and post it to my Instagram story today. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, and then um, re- make sure to repost everyone else. Everyone, make sure everyone out there listening, make sure you put a story on your story, tag Kev, so that he can get that that Morse code looking looking. I want Brit- story. I, I want to. I want as many stories as Brittany Lynn had on her birthday repost. Like. Mm-hmm. Just all stories. Psych. I'm never going to do that. I'm not going to do that. So you can wish me happy birthday all you want, but I will not repost it. I will be very thankful of it. I rescind my happy birthday then if you're not going to repost it. I will not be reposting any of it because there's no point in doing that, people. I don't like that trend, and I'm not changing my opinion on it. But what if it's a really good pick of me? And then just like a decent pick of you. And I just want to use it as an excuse to get a really good pick of me out then, there on the internet. Then then wish me happy birthday with your best picture of yourself. Okay, there you that. go. And I there don't care go. how I look in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, happy birthday to me. I'm 30. Holy shnikes. Uh, and, uh, you know, a natural transition to, you know, talking about births. Uh, folks. It's a girl. It is it's a, girl. a girl. And if you didn't know, Brittany Lynn and Patrick Mahomes are having a baby girl, then 
you must be living under a rock. Because Brittany Lynn, she told you via pink paw prints. She told you via pink balloons. She told you via a pink uh, confetti cannon. She told you in every way. I think she put like six gender reveals in one gender reveal. Just in case anybody was not clear about if it was a girl or a boy. I I yeah. legitimately think it could have been more. Knowing knowing <laughs> Brittany, I thought it was pretty subdued uh, for a gender reveal, considering okay. the the scale and, and the resources and the ability to get as big as she possibly wants for a gender reveal. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty pretty uh, pretty understated, pretty humble for what Ooh. I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, hiring a media company to film and produce a gender reveal video. It is a little, yeah, I that guess probably that is gets very, done. that probably gets done more than you think, Kev. Yeah. Uh, but we did, we didn't predict the sex of the baby. I don't think, but we did predict that a gender reveal would be big time, a huge mm-hmm. production. I think it was, I've never seen so many gender reveals all in one. Like I've seen one big extravagant one. Uh, but I mean, I think this one was bigger and more impactful than the gender reveal that, Maybe started the fires out here in California. It was big time. I'm just big glad news. that they didn't. I, I'm honestly, I'm glad that they went. I'm impressed. They found an original idea. That was the first time I've seen dogs I walking agree. through paint to reveal the gender. I'm really impressed that they um, they didn't go with something that would end up on SportsCenter and uh, on every single social media site with Pat, like Pat throwing a no look pass of mm. a football, you know, if, if Pat, if they'd involved Pat throwing a football or a baseball or hitting something in any way, it, it would have been, I don't know, a little predictable. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that they went with something a little more unpredictable and something that I hadn't seen before. So props, props to Brittany for that. Uh, something a little more down to earth, I would say, you know, yes. getting your dogs involved in a gender reveal is very much, I think a move of the people, uh, of the common person. So I, I, I liked it. And then, you know, I wasn't expecting the next six different ways to reveal the gender mm-hmm. that had already been revealed, but you know, we, we knew it was going to be a little extravagant and, uh, congratulations to those two. Uh, now that we so, know, now that we know it's a girl, my son, James, he's, he's, he's on the clock. He mm-hmm. is, He's un- Valentine's be Day is right around the corner. He's he's uh, oh, on no, the clock. Be there yet. He's on the clock yeah. to 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 date. Got to get that. Got to get that birthday. The uh, birthday gift, right? The mm-hmm. the first birthday gift. James has got to yep. really nail that. James, you better yeah. And you know, by the time you're, when did Pat and Brittany start dating? When they were like 16 years old. All right, James, mm-hmm. you've got until 16. Make this girl yep. your high school sweetheart. Let's do it, son. Let's do this together. All right. <laughs> uh, so it's a girl. Pat and Brittany are having a girl. That's one thing you couldn't miss on social media. Uh, and then the other one was, you know, snow in Kansas City. It's it's here. It's back. And I love the first snow. Everyone everyone's posting about it. What a how was the snow? Was it a good snow? It was a great snow. snow. It was very wet. It's very wet, so it's stuck. Uh, real easy for snowballs. Um, but it, it's a good covering, as you probably saw in all the social media posts mm-hmm. today. It's a real good, solid covering because it's heavy. Um, it's sticking on all the trees and all the branches and all the grass. It's a good-looking snow. It's good-looking snow. 
Um, and uh, another good-looking snow, uh, the Chiefs in Denver playing in the snow. Uh, a a good-looking snow game in October. These transitions are just writing themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, they, they really it's just incredible. It's it's yeah. incredible. We, we've been at this a game. year and a half now, and it's my birthday, so I'm just I'm did I tell you it's my birthday yet? Just um, feeling it. Feeling it so on I'm the feeling transition. It. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Um uh, kinda like, you know, uh Chiefs. Chiefs were feeling it. Uh uh, it was a, a wild game. The second quarter had was one of the weirder second quarters where mm-hmm. Mahomes sat on the bench most, most of the quarter, and yet it felt like we just kept scoring points uh, in, in our 10th straight win over Denver. I love beating the Donkeys. Um, I love doing anything to make John Elway look bad uh, mm-hmm. because, I, I mean, he, he – he got Peyton Manning in 2015, and they won a Super Bowl. But beyond that, the Broncos has have pretty much stink stunk. I guess they won the division like four straight years. But th- with Peyton, yeah, yeah. But but um, but beyond that, I, I just love making John Elway look like a fool. Um, so I really enjoyed that. It definitely was a weird game because yeah, I don't even know if Pat threw for for 200 yards. And, I think right at 200. And we we dominated. I I was thinking it was like. Kind of a get back game, um, you know. McCole Hardman played well. He'd been under kind of the spotlight as someone. It's like, what do you contribute to the team, man? He hasn't been great on punt returns. He's been kind of a gadget player uh, in recent games. He looked like an actual wide receiver today. Um, so I thought mm-hmm. McCole played good. Uh, credit where credits due. Dirty Dan Dan Sorensen played an awesome game. And yeah, he I had like, that in my notes. I was gonna say. Dirty Dan is good, and I want to hear your mouth say it. He played a great game. He played an awesome game. He seemed like the uh, the only defensive back who really wanted to hit someone. Uh, because I don't know, this trend with Tyron Matthew, like making a lot of business decisions and not hitting people, I, I don't love it. I get Tyron Matthew adds like his intelligence and his ball skills and uh, his coverage ability more than his physicality, but uh, I'd like to see – you know, Tyron Matthew mix it up a little bit, but Dirty Dan wanted to just wanted to hit everyone, uh, and he made some big plays. That pick six was a legit play, like a number one cornerback makes uh, mm-hmm. to make a break on the ball that quick and read the quarterback like that. So that was a really good play. Uh, yeah. I thought Willie uh, Gay uh, played Drew, awesome. Drew Locke is still staring at that receiver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Drew Drew Locke. Um, I don't know if he's gonna make it. Um, I haven't seen enough consistency to know if he'll be a professional quarterback for much longer. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Willie Gay played well. Spags, uh, Spagnola had called an awesome game, dialed up um, a lot of unique blitzes that Drew Locke was just totally um, outmatched. And uh, Pringle McCringleberry. We've talked Pringle about him McCringleberry. a couple, a couple of yeah, times. Baby. And, and, uh, and he's, he's, you know, taking advantage of every opportunity. Go Cats. Yeah, he has. Uh, we talked about it last week, taking advantage of the opportunity, running hard routes and getting open, and then he gets a kick return. Uh, and, I mean, we are special team you. That, like, that is who, who K-State who? is. K-State? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you sounded like Les Miles there saying, who? Who's K-State? Oh. Mm. Yeah, that nah, big nah. turd. Uh, 55 points, that's who they are. Uh, and K-State had two punt returns in the route of the Sunflower Showdown. Uh, which is the least intense sounding rivalry of all time. Um, 
But uh, yeah, Byron Pringle, he's my dude. Uh, that was awesome. We are such a balanced team, or we look like that. Uh, I think you know throughout the season and again today, we're we haven't been like a juggernaut on offense yet. Nope. We're really nope. good, um, but uh, we're also you know really good on defense too. This is the most balanced team that I feel like we've seen under Andy Reid. And I don't want balance. You know what I mean? Like. I want our offense to be significantly better than our defense um, mm-hmm. because we won a Super Bowl that way. And, and um, even though our defense got better, you know, now would I want the, the, would I want the number one defense in the NFL and then number and the number one offense in the NFL? Of course. But do I want the seventh best offense in the NFL and the seventh best defense in the NFL? No, I'd take, the number two offense in the NFL and the number twenty-seven defense in the NFL, and and feel better about well, that. I, but, I would have said like an average, like fifteenth ranked defense. I okay, don't so, go that 17, far. seventeen maybe, but but either yeah, way, I, I I want to be the juggernaut again. And Why so do you I'm like still, Bob Sutton so much? <laughs> that was thirty-second ranked defense, <laughs> uh, but I so I want to be the offensive juggernaut. I want that team back from twenty eighteen when Pat Mahomes threw 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. Um, And that's the team I want to watch again. And I still haven't seen that team. I want you to say it. Le'Veon Bell makes us better on offense. I want you to say it. Say it. I I, I watched Le'Veon and uh, uh, Clyde in on the same play, and they split them both out to wide receiver. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, what, what, what I don't was even the know. result of that play? I, I think incompl- it was like, it was like an pass. incomplete pass, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, and so that's that's all that's the only thing, you know, I want to go back to being the juggernaut. I I I want to quit running the ball on second and ten and first and ten. We should never ever run the ball on first and ten or second and ten. I want to stop doing that. Um and I want I want to be a juggernaut again, but I'll be patient. I realize, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we play down to our competition. Uh, sometimes we just do what needs to be done to get a win and get out of there, and that's fine. But yeah, I just want to know that it's still there. So, and we don't really have a tough opponent anytime in the future. So who knows when? But um, yeah. And uh, but and I go ahead, go ahead, Kev. Before I before oh. I make my final thought. Okay, my um, final thoughts. I want to be like a um, you know office space, the Bobs, the consultants that they hire. Mm-hmm. And I want to go in there and sit down in front of Nick Kaiser and say, so Nick, what is it that you would say you do here? Mm-hmm. Because I don't know what he does well. The The first play of the half, the second half uh, in his pass protection, he got Patrick Mahomes sacked and he Pat had McCole Hardman for a touchdown. And then that fumble, it, and he's dropped a, pat, a screen pass to, I don't know why we designed a screen pass for him two games ago, but it's just like, what what do you do here? You know I who else? Know. You know who else needs to be asked that question? Ben Frank Heyman. Clark. Oh, Frank yes. Clark. Get him again. I I I think it's come to the come to time when I have to challenge Frank Clark to a fight again because he uh, has been in very ineffective. He has he he had one pressure yesterday on Drew Locke, um, who loves getting sacked. Uh, Frank Clark had one pressure. And he, he gets a pressure on like nine nine and a half percent of the time he rushes the quarterback. That's good for 46th in the NFL among edge rushers. So if you're just looking at edge rushers, he gets to the quarterback 
45th most of edge rushers. He doesn't we're get paid, paid like the 45th best no. guy. And uh, again, we're five and one. We're fi- six and one. Uh, we're, we're, we're fine. Our defense looks good. But Frank, it's time to. It's, it's time to fight. It's time to fight. Fight so Danny. I'm challenging you to a fight. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's it's become a yearly tradition now. Um, and I think you're ready to fa- challenge Tyron Matthew to a fight as well. Uh, <laughs> very similar to last year. Yeah, and uh, then hopefully where, they turn it on. Let's go. Yes. So uh, Tyron, Frank, Danny wants to fight you guys. Or you guys can start playing more physical. One, One of the, the two things. The choice is yours. Whatever you, Whichever you'd like. But you, Danny is built Ford tough. So I, I would think about maybe just playing like harder. Do- on the field. Dodge knee on tough. That's <laughs> yeah. You're built uh, like uh, like a Nissan Leaf. Mm-hmm. You're that tough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, any any other or is that your closing thought, Frank Clark? My, the closing back. my closing thought, Frank Clark, fight me or get better. And Elway. I hope John Elway stays employed mm-hmm. uh, as the president of the Broncos for a very, very long time. Oh, yeah. I, I really could, do hope he gets to keep drafting quarterbacks. They could draft another first-round quarterback next year. It'd be mm-hmm. awesome. Yep, yep. Um, all right, that's it for Chiefs this week. Uh, let's move into um, some openings. Uh, oh, we're getting back to kind of our roots when we started out and we were a big drug podcast. Mm-hmm. It seemed like we were talking about drugs every episode. Uh, medical. Remember, we had uh, yeah uh, a lawyer come on and talk to us, uh, John Didon about Didon. Yeah, D- John Didon. John Didon talked to us about uh, the legal aspects of opening marijuana shops in uh, Missouri as medical marijuana became legal, uh, and it looks like sales are starting to happen now. First sale happened um, at a place called Fresh Green on mm. Monday yesterday. Um, it was a 60-year-old from Grain Valley was the first one to be uh, to go through, purchase medical marijuana. It's happening. He, he came out, the 60-year-old, put his arms up in the air, according to reporters, and just said, woo-hoo. Bought some, uh, it appears he bought some purple punch. Um, oh, it helps with perp, perp stuff. It helps with his stress and nausea and minor body aches. Oh, good for him. So sounds like oh, my back very hurts. relatable. Um but but yeah, they have oh, they have started today too. Um and um it's it's happening. It's here. So it, it seems like uh that dispensary where the first one was sold shortly after noon, um a hundred customers were waiting in line, so it's ready to go go. Again, remember this is medical marijuana people. Go back and listen to our like third episode ever mm-hmm. and it explains how to obtain a prescription who to talk to but it is medical marijuana uh so you have to have not a, prescription. a drug podcast but go listen to that episode three yes um all right so that is opening um let's move into uh, a little what we try this week uh it looks like danny's trying some more kansas city things uh i tried a very california thing this week um and did a little whale watching. Wow! Uh, went on a went on a whale cruise. I, <clears throat> it's funny. I I had posted a picture on Instagram recently of me on the beach, out in uh, Palo Alto. And one of my buddies, Stevie, was like, "Hey, I'm not too far from you. He's uh, a digital nomad right now." 
Okay. That's a new term. Totally normal. Totally normal thing. That's where, like, now that people are all working from home from the pandemic, they're like, well, I'm just going to go live Freelance. in Airbnbs for a month at oh, a time. Oh, okay. Nice. And just, I'm, I keep my job, you know, uh, and then I just go, you know, why sign a lease when I can just bounce city to city in an Airbnb? So, cool. So, he hooks Must up Must be nice a, to not have responsibilities. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, he hooks up a whale watching cruise for us, Stevie does, uh, on the Chardonnay Charters. Love it. And um, pizza, wine, and beer included uh, for whale watching. We get out there. Uh, Milton is our tour guide. Um, I'm, you're probably picturing like a 60-year-old guy named Milton, but yeah, he's like yeah. 20. Really cool. And we're like, all right, so what are the chances of us seeing a whale out here? Um, we're on like maybe our second glass of wine. He's like, well... You know, pro- the probability is pretty good. I was like, oh, sweet. That's awesome. He's like, do you know anything about the topography of the ocean? And I'm like, no, dude. I'm from Kansas. I don't know anything about that. He's like, well, there's a a canyon the size of the Great Canyon or twice as big under, like, the San Francisco Bay. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and way down there where we're not going, that's where all the whales feed. Mm. And they're all down there, but we're not, like, that's pretty far away. So there's actually no whales where we are and i was like dude you just said that the probability was really good that we might see a whale and this is a whale watching tour that doesn't go anywhere near whales he's like mm. yeah kind of but did you see the sea otters earlier i was like yeah those are really cute and he's like do you need some more wine or more beer and i was like yeah and i was happy again so it was on a typical boat. california tech <clears throat> scam exactly can't so, get away with it, that it, here in the midwest <clears throat> cannot nope Nope. Um, so we we had a great time. Uh, drank wine, beer, pizza on a sailboat. Saw some sea otters, some sea lions, uh, and got out on the water. So it's like a genius business model because how can you complain after that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no chance. Of I mean, I'm sure that there. there's some. You know. I'm sure that there's some oh, Karens yeah. that are like, I need my money back. I didn't see a whale, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, there's probably something written. That sounds yeah. awesome. Even though you didn't see a whale. Um, I guess you could say I've been whale watching then because I've been on a boat yeah. and drank mm-hmm. and ate. With no chance of seeing a whale. With no chance yeah. of seeing a whale. So, cool. Um, mm-hmm. All right, speaking I'm gonna, of... I'm going to start a whale watching uh, tour at the Lake of the Ozarks. Nice. Just a, a, a paddlefish <laughs> tour. Yeah. Where you're like, well, they're here. Might see them. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of the the, the bay of, of um, San Francisco, I had what I tried this week was Bay Boy Sandwiches. Bay Boy Sandwiches is a little sandwich shop. I don't even... Little sandwich shop. Because it's not really a restaurant. Because there's not room to really eat inside, which is fine for COVID. But um, it is on West Plaza. It is across the street from the bar over there on West Plaza. So like 47th and Mercer, maybe. And... um, it was delicious. Holly, yeah, Holly or Mercer. Yeah, mm. it was delicious. So they call it Bay Boy Sandwiches because I think the owners um, originally started a sandwich shop in San Francisco, um, tight, tight. but it was delicious. The bread there, I don't even know what type of bread it was, but it was like the perfect crunch on the outside. But once you mm. got through the crunch, it was so soft on the inside that it wasn't like um, really hard to chew, you know. Like sometimes you get a sandwich and your, your jaws. Jimmy just... John's can be tough to chew. Yeah, as good as the sometimes. bread is. It can be tough to chew. But this is just like perfect crunch on the outside, 
and soft on the inside. I got the Italian stallion. That was the special. Um, so mm. it was like a roast beef with peppers on it. Um, and like an Italian roast beef with peppers and uh, a jus to dip it in. It was uh, delicious. Again, I, I would like call ahead to do an order as opposed to just like walking up and ordering. But you can do that as well. A lot of people were just kind of walking up, ordering from the uh, from the window basically because it's kind of in the in a basement and uh, it's an awesome place. So Bay Boy Sandwiches in West Plaza uh, would recommend. Seems like a place with good smells coming out. Oh of that. yeah, Very oh yeah, really smells. really nice people too. Like great. Great to deal with. So, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Locally owned sandwich shops have the nicest people mm-hmm. working in them. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So that is what we tried this week. Um, this week in our interview, uh, we got to sit down with the queen of haunts in Kansas City. Her family basically invented haunted houses yeah. here in Kansas City with the edge of hell, and that was like the first in the country. So we talked with Amber Arnett Beckwith. Um, about the Edge of Hell, the Beast, uh, the Chambers of Poe, the Macabre Theater, all the haunted houses that um, she runs. And uh, <clears throat> with Halloween around the corner, very interesting episode uh, and a ver- very interesting interview uh, that we got to get into. Yeah, and this interview is brought to you by a awesome uh, event and organization that's happening. It is Global Entrepreneurship Week in Kansas City 2020, GEWKC 2020. This has been a year that changed everything, especially for our local business owners out there who've always been, who's all, who have always given everything they've got. If your business is your everything, you already know what you're up against. To deal with what you're facing in 2020 and beyond, you need to hear fresh perspectives and gather new ideas and rewrite the next chapter of your success story. That is where Global Entrepreneurship Week Kansas City comes in with idea-generating workshops, advice from people who get it, and real solutions to see you through. So this November 16th through the 20th, get more of everything your business needs. Register today at gewkc.org. Again, gewkc.org. That's the Global Entrepreneurship Week Kansas City brought to you by the Kaufman Foundation. Um, register today. All right, today we are joined by our guest, Amber Arnett Beckwith. Uh, you might know her of the Queen of Haunts. She is the owner and operator of the Beast and Edge of Hell in Kansas City. Uh, Halloween's less than a week away, so we we know you're probably really busy, so we appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us. But uh, some houses have chosen not to open this season in Kansas City. You guys are open. So how do you balance being super, super scary and super, super safe at the same time? Those two, I don't always think of them together. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's interesting you say that because um, even when it's not a pandemic year, we have to be super scary and super safe. So in regards to this type of walkthrough entertainment that is very dramatic and in your face, That's something that we're taking into consideration all of the time, not to mention the fact that the Edge of Hell is the oldest commercial haunted attraction in the United States. So we are the granddaddy of them all and began the industry, so to speak. And it's something that um, we're very cognizant of and have to really plan for. So, you know, back in 1975, when the Edge of Hell was at 7th and Wyandotte and you wanted to create 
different types of monsters, there really wasn't a convention or place that you went to purchase that from. It was all made by hand and by my family's amazing creative talent. So, you know, you'd go to the hardware store to come up with how you're going to get a 10-foot alligator to jump out, chomp your leg off, but really not, you know, take it off completely, just a little bit. And so these were things that we had to take into consideration in making the experience real, but not hurting anyone. When it comes to COVID, those restrictions are no different than if you're going to Walmart or Home Depot and what we're asking you to do in regards to wearing the mask and your temperature being taken. Um, and of course, our throughput is much slower. But as far as safety, that's always number one. Yeah. And so uh, we appreciate you doing that and letting people still come in and and experience the Halloween. Uh, but I, I imagine you guys have a, a very short window to get everybody um, in this year with COVID. Uh, do you have a normal uh, schedule this year or is it a shorter time that you're opened uh, during this Halloween season yeah, compared to other years? It's considerably shorter. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. After 46 years in the business, we used to be open almost every single day in October, back to back to back. And as people's lives have gotten busier um, and more things to do, for instance, there's not as many haunted attractions in the Kansas City area anymore. It's really about the entertainment dollar and how you're going to spend that free time. Also, when you're only open in a normal year between 30 to 40 days over a two-month period, you have to look at the core demographic, which varies for us. It's definitely the young adult, um, the teenager coming of age, but it's also about the parents and how many paychecks over that time in order maybe for their kids to get to do that. And Friday night football is huge in our in our whole city, which is awesome, but it has also changed the dynamic of when people are able to get out and do other things. For this season, we're down only 18 days. We're open for the entire time. So we only have a very short time left. Um, we're open Thursday through Sunday um, starting this week just for one week. And then we are also are going to be open November 6th and 7th. Nice. So you guys basically is what you're saying is that Kansas City invented haunted houses. Is that right? That, that's absolutely right. And it was your family who started the edge of hell. How, how do you guys, one, what kind of family starts a haunted house, but two, how did you decide um, this was something that, you know, could be a business? Sure. So um, before we ever did haunted attractions, my family did an outdoor theater at Lake of the Ozarks. And so you were dealing with a lot of the elements of, rain and wind for an outdoor theater. It was very much like a shepherd of the hills. And um, they really had to look at a way to extend their season. No difference in the way that amusement parks extend their season have really embraced Halloween in recent years, right? Maybe the last 10 to 15 years. Zoos especially have been a big growth um, aspect for Halloween. And um, so, you know, back then in the 70s, Lake of the Ozarks wasn't the Mecca or year-round living that it is today. Um, and so you just had that very seasonal window. They got into debt and needed to get to a bigger stage, so to speak, in order to extend and decided to try their hand at haunted attractions in Kansas City. And it was really odd because the first year, they just called it hell. 
not the edge now, <laughs> the tail. And that didn't go over real well for like the yellow pages back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to look up. They said that that wasn't possible to, you know, dial hell. Um, <laughs> and so very quickly we had we had to um, kind of adapt that name, and that's how the edge of hell came about. And it really began. My great grandfather was a pastor. And in those teachings, and the theme has remained the same for 46 years, the dynamics change, the spirits, the the actors to live in the house change. But if you're going to walk on the edge, you will encounter these sorts of demons in life, vampires and snakes and rats. And of course, you make bad choices, right? We're all human. And you make so many bad choices that you just for a moment get a glimpse of heaven. But unfortunately... Your numbers outweigh to the bad, and you go into purgatory and then down the five-story spiral slide into the arms of the devil himself. And that has been the theme for the haunted attraction for all of these years and really was the mainstay. And then the beast was built in 1991, and it really turned the industry on its ear because it pioneered what we term now as the open format. And it was all about being able to find your way out. And in the beginning, we were really mean. And if any of our actors told anyone how to get out, they were fired immediately. <laughs> and so we've gotten soft in our old age, I guess, because we let more people out now. <laughs> um, but it was really also the beginning of an escape game concept mm-hmm. uh, back in 1991. And these formats are all based on fears and phobias. That's what we study. That's what I'm an expert in. And that's also the illusion of light and sound. We're touching all of your senses and we're really provoking your own adrenaline, your own, you know, flight or fight mechanism. That's what we're all about. And I think that it's pretty amazing when you see grandparents bringing their grandchildren back now, or you hear the love stories that actually worked out. And of course, there's a few nightmares too. Yeah. So does I, KC still still kind of set the uh, set the trends and and set the industry? Obviously, it's expanded beyond you know Kansas City, but is Kansas City still a, a leading uh, city when it comes to setting the trends for haunted houses? Oh my goodness, yes. So I'm the national spokesperson for the haunt industry, and I'm the one setting the trends. <laughs> what, what are some of the what are some of the have like the phobias and fears that you kind of um I don't want to say prey on, but almost like that you are are thinking oh, about yes, have, have those have those changed <laughs> over the years? Like um, you know, from the nineties to now, now you're scaring Gen Zers compared to scaring Gen Xers and millennials. Have those fears and phobias that you try to you know, target changed? I mean, the overall base of human nature does not change. And, but the other thing to know is that we all scare differently. You know, it depends on your upbringing and kind of what you're taught to be fearful for, for survival, right? But it can also depend on your region. So for instance, you know, down in Florida, people are more afraid of alligators. They can end up in their pool. It's something they have to be conscious of and aware. We're probably a little bit, you know, more fearful of a copperhead versus a python, which they have now down in the Everglades that are, you know, definitely um, overrun. So depending on your region, there's certain things that will trigger things faster for certain people, but it really comes down to who you are and how you respond. We've done tons of um, research as well as 
a lot of team building and it is so interesting, not just in one-on-one dynamic on a date, which you see so many men sacrifice their, their female date to the monster to get away <laughs> themselves. Um, but in team building, um, which I have to say, if that happens, it usually doesn't, you know, end in marriage, <laughs> but um, we do have a lot of couples that come back and we do a lot of weddings at the edge of hell too. And we have for years. Um, I know on our 40th anniversary, we married 40 couples at the stroke of midnight all, all out in front of the edge of hell. It was spectacular. Um, and so what is so amazing, I think that you have to, to think about is the different times and parallels in life. For instance, in the beginning, it's almost, it's about the coming of age, right? Mm-hmm. Are you strong enough? Are you brave enough? Are you, and a, a lot of people aren't. And it really sometimes doesn't even matter about age. You can be a 12 year old and not make it through and a 32 year old and not make it through. There's a lot of people that turn around on the step and just, and aren't able to carry on. Um, and that's very rewarding for us, right? They get their money's worth just up the stairs. However, um, it's also about like in the team building that I was mentioning in that people will leave and it, they'll escape themselves and leave the whole team behind. You really learn a lot about people when they're afraid, in their reactions, but it's also very bonding. It's very bonding to see other people get scared. People find it funny. Some people react, they run, they crawl, they run over their friends, they scream, they pee their pants. Everyone's reaction is very different and it's also what makes our job very hard. So to answer your question, the basic dynamics of fear remain the same. What has changed from 1975 to now is technology. And our customer has become way more finicky. And what, you know, back in the 70s, woo, a strobe light, that was pretty fancy. But today, that didn't work, right? Because now all of the amazing movie effects, the video games, everything that they're watching is that constant flash in their eyes. So a strobe light, eh, that doesn't really work anymore. So then it comes down to the animatronics and making them come to life. So when you walk into one of our scenes now versus in 1976, you break a laser beam. And within that time of walking or running or crawling, you are then immersed in this scene in order to touch all of your senses. And so, for instance, if you're riding a roller coaster, it's pretty easy because they strap you in and you can't move and you scream and they take the picture and they, they capture that moment in your face right at the drop. And here, because everyone's different, you're constantly needing as an actor to be able to read that person from the outside and know when to get in, know when to get out and cause that reaction along with sound, lights, we infuse smell. And one of the funniest things that just cracks me up, anyone who comes out of the edge of hell, they, they're wiping their brow. Whew, it was hot in there. Well, yes, it's hell. We make it hot. So um, where do you where do you find the actors for your scenes and for your houses and like what kind of training goes into that or what kind of person um, what type of uh, personality trait does it, does it attract or what type of people do you attract when, when it comes to finding your actors? Now some of your questions are, are getting odd themselves because you're saying now what kind of family does a haunted yeah. house and now it's <laughs> okay. what kind of so here goes here's to a the truth. House? Here's I'm the truth. I need to ask about you. 
Yeah, I am terrified of of haunted houses. I'm I'm terrified of horror movies. I um they I don't like horror movies. I I'm very scared. I scare easily. And so for me okay. in my head So what makes to- you think <laughs> So what makes you think that haunted houses are um associated with horror movies? Uh, I, I, cause, cause it's that tension and that fear and that adrenaline that that's, um, the, the anxiety of not knowing what's coming next. Um, those are the t- same types of, mm-hmm. uh, feelings I have when, um, when watching a horror movie. And that's what, that's what I think of when I'm, when I'm like walking through a, a maze or walking through a haunted house. Okay. Well, normally in a horror movie, you know, it's, it's very patterned, right? And they always make the girl look really stupid because she's got to go out into the woods <laughs> and she's <laughs> let me check out this. I've never watched a horror movie in my life. So what we do here is all original art um, and mm-hmm. creativity. Now we do have a haunted attraction that we called um, the Macabre Cinema. It is not open this year. It opened in 2007. And our other one is called the Chambers of Edgar Allan Poe, which is not open this season either. But the macabre cinema, in regards to the edge of hell and the beast and the themes that I've talked to you about. So the beast is all about time travel and medieval and Jack the Ripper's London um, and being able to find your way out of the castle. Um, That doesn't include a Freddy, a Chucky, a Jason. Mm -hmm. And all these people would you know, be like, oh, where's blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, that doesn't fit here. And we're not, in being able to create this type of entertainment and to be the first to do it, we weren't mm-hmm. Hollywood copycats. And I agree with you. A lot of haunted attractions may result, or that's their result, in what they choose to do. We find that to be kind of cheesy and okay. very easy in just trying to do kind of a, like a uh, shock scare, I call those. Mm-hmm. Um, very bloody, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, anybody can do that. What we're trying to do is really put your mind in a different dimension in order to provoke those fears and phobias. That's what we're working on. And that's why the themes remain the same. When you go into a cheesy haunted house and it's like, woo, there's clowns and the doctor Mm -hmm. themes for them. And then you go, oh, it's a bad dentist, you know? And you jump from the scene to scene to scene. None of it is able to fully be absorbed in order to provoke those elements. You may have a thought about that scene, and it may be a quick jump scare, but it's nothing that's going to carry you through. And so that's why our scenes remain the same. And it's in order to take you to a different dimension and work on the fears and phobias. So we don't have Hollywood over here. Mm -hmm. This is original art and planning and special effects. And then in the macabre cinema, what we did is we created a haunted 1930s movie theater. And you enter into the movie theater, the big movie screen is playing with a horror movie on it. You go down the center and then your body kind of slips through the slit in the white screen. And once you're through that slit, then you become the victim in the horror movies. And it's about your reaction to when you first saw that or how you said you felt with anxiety or people sweat or what have Mm -hmm. you. And in some cases, if these are, if these are real reactions that you had, people will immediately have them just the same as if they see the life snake that we have at the edge of hell. And so it is very real 
when you're talking about that. But that's not, I would say it's an amazing creative flip on Hollywood, but that's not okay. how we started. We didn't cheat. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 do, I get do, those feelings in the, in the beast when I get lost. Like that, that isn't a Hollywood effect or anything. It's truly like, cause is the beast the one with the forest where I always get lost and I can't find. Yeah. Yes. yes. And does that have the, the, yeah, yeah, the werewolf forest. I've spent lots of time in there. So some of the actors are still (laughs) under the impression that they will get fired if they tell, tell you where to go. I've been been lost in there. Um, But yeah, I I, I can definitely see. uh, And then I've done the um, Edgar Allen or the macabre theater and the Poe chambers of Poe as well. And yeah, I I can see the differences that you're talking about now. I definitely didn't realize that as I was going through them. Right, right. And the Chambers of Edgar Allan Poe was really a coming home for us because prior to doing Hell, a.k.a. the Edge of Hell, we did the Chambers of Poe on the Independent Square before we bought our first building and embarked on the bigger entertainment scene. And it was for two weeks. It was called the Halloween Spectacular, and it was $2 for adults and a dollar for children. And it was just, it got so much attention. And we, of course, were Poe fans. And so when we decided to redo that on a much bigger scale, I did a lot of research in Baltimore at his gravesite. And we recreated the gravesite exactly as it was in Baltimore. And what was so interesting is that over the amount of years and time, when that plot was first put there, Um, And then they built this huge church over it, which is up on stilts. And you literally have to crawl underneath with these vines and moss to get to some of the grave sites. And it truly was somewhat eerie. And I absolutely loved it. We put all the names the same. They were all turned in the same direction, whether they were north, east, southwest. All of it was exactly the same as it as it truly is. And so that was a really fun um, scene for me to spend a lot of time on. I imagine, you know, some people they had they head down to the haunted houses maybe after after dinner or maybe after after grabbing a couple of drinks. Uh, are people that have had a couple of drinks are they harder to scare or easier to scare than someone that's going in completely sober? Oh, I think that's in general. Just as we talked about how people scare differently, I think in all of our lives we know nice drunks and sleepy drunks and mean <laughs> drunks. So it's all based upon how you know, the seven drawers, are they going to be sleepy, dopey, you know, whatever you get when you're a, you know, dopey drunk, no one Mm. knows. And, and you don't know till they get in there and see the reaction. But one of the things that you have to um, think about something that I've been very proud of my family and moving forward. I mean, in all of our entertainment all over the world now, but in Kansas City, especially, I mean, you can buy a margarita to look at the monkeys, right, at the zoo, because they need money to feed the monkeys. So what better way to do it than drink a margarita? But in the haunted attractions, you know, that's never been our main element. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you go to Chiefs or Royals, it's like, woo, how many beers can we throw back? you got to have your wherewithal to get through here. You know, you, it's a very physical aspect. Um, so that's why we, you know, can't have people in cast or if you have a heart condition, it's a very, um, it's a very, very, very physical aspect. And ours are the largest in the world. 
you know, in order to get through. Like the beast, 45 minutes if you don't get lost. And the Ajahal is 30. And that's, you know, that's a pretty big time span to have your adrenaline rush. Yeah. And uh, th- that is a long time. It, it is longer if you get lost. Also, I was thinking back <laughs> to when we were asking these questions, like, what kind of people work there? I think it's because of the guy who had the rat outside the edge or the was he's that the magnificent. People I'm sure he's the nicest guy in the world. Miles. But um he is. seeing a person with a pet rat running all over him, all of that, that was that's a little freaky. And no one it's ever jarring. believes me. Like when I tell people who maybe who from out of town, like, oh, there's a guy you've got to see. The yeah. He is like no other. So Harry has worked here since he was, you know, 14, 15 years old. He met his wife here. Her name's Tuesday. They have four children. They have their own rat pack with all these little grandchildren running around. He still works for us. My mother hired him and he's an amazing person. Um, His daughter, we call her Rat Brad, and she started taking over the street work um, in the last couple years. And it's something that I think... Um, yes, it, it can be very shocking, but I think what you have to understand is from the live theater that we did at like the Ozarks to here, animals are anything and everything we can do to make your experience real is what we're going to do. So yes, we have live animals because that will instantly provoke your brain into, we show you a real one. And then the, mm-hmm. the fake one really is what comes out and, you know, rips your mm-hmm. arm off, but. They're just for that split second. You believe it's real, right? And that's what we're looking for is that immediate reaction. And so um, he's he's wonderful. But when they put that rat in their mouth, Mm. um, it actually thinks that it's being cleaned. And they love it. So they come out and they rub their ears. (laughs) And it's, it's a very cleaning aspect for them. And we have... Of course, the light snakes, the light alligator. My um, mom and my grandmother and my uncle, they grew up in Florida. So the alligator is something very special um, to us. And um, it's also very scary to people, as I mentioned earlier. So that's a very fun beast on um, inside. Um, and then this year you have a horse, the real right? One. And then the, yes, we have a horse. And I competed and did a lot of rodeos and HHA reigning. And so my horses have always been here and been the seed for the Headless Horsemen. But I lost both of them, one to age and one passed earlier than expected. So I hadn't had one for five or six years. And everyone kept saying, oh, just get another horse. But when you train, it takes years. And that was before I had children and I just thought, oh, I'll never find one that can deal with all these elements. Like my horses used to ride the big freight elevator in the beast and go up to the mm. big castle storm. And I'd film the travel channel and all kinds of, they'd wander through the hallways and all the scenes. Um, and so they were just magnificent creatures and they very much loved the show. All of our animals become very um, timed, whether it's to music turning on or what they're particular position is supposed to be and this year um I don't know I just got a hunch and decided to follow my heart I ended up at a kill pin in Texas and uh we have blueberry sapphire and she has been absolutely 
um, magnificent in being able to come into this environment, the wolf running amok in the streets. And so this first year, we're, we're not mounting her with the headless horseman. She's outside and playing a little spoof on the fact that the poor girl was facing slaughter and we paint her as a skeleton. And the that, kids that is, absolutely love her. Yeah, that, that's incredible that a horse and animals can be trained uh, to participate in scenes like that. Because again, I think it takes, uh, I think it takes a lot of skill and, and, and ability to, to be able to, to be an actor in, in one of those places. And, and um, the reason I asked about any certain training is if, is if actors have to recognize, okay, someone is having a real scare that needs help and I have to break character. Or if that, if that ever happens where an actor kind of has to break character because, because something happened in there. Yes, and, and I apologize, I didn't elaborate on that. So all of our actors have to audition every year. I mean, unless you're um, like Rat Man, of course we, we got that. <laughs> um, but all new actors um, audition and come in. And this year was very interesting because even our veteran actors had to come in and show us um, what they made themselves because we can't do makeup and costume change on, on site this year. I mean, normally we're doing all of that on site and because of COVID this year, they have to bring it in and a mask for protection mm -hmm. has to be incorporated to the costume. And I was just blown away by their creative talent. And I think it's also notable to think about the fact that for a lot of people who are creative, but they have um, had the path in their life for a mundane job. This is a very creative outlet. So when you say what mm -hmm. kind of people, first of all, there, have, there are a lot of creative, amazing, and you have to be very physical to work in the back of the haunted attractions because yeah, you're I doing bet. your scene, not just once, but a thousand times a night. You're, the screams are your applause, but you physically have to be capable. You have to be able to regulate your voice from your gut, not from your throat or you'll you can't do anything you've lost your voice within one night you know so they actually are very skilled it's also about timing so they audition and it's a little bit like harry potter it's you look at them their stature the way they move what they would like to show you you know kind of like um america's got talent what's your trick what do you what do you have that you want to show mm -hmm. us sometimes you're very amazed and and surprise. <laughs> um, and then you kind of put that hat on them. Do they fit best in the beast or hell or macabre or Poe? And you divide them to house and then you work down from there. Um, every single actor or actress has to have a background check. Um, and then, you know, normally we go into makeup, costume training, safety training, dress rehearsal, all of that happens. Um, before of course this year it was more pretty much all about COVID <laughs> and you have to yeah. wear your mask and the customers are going to wear masks which I always tell them you know it's great because it muffles their screens but <laughs> they um were just all wearing masks this year I mean it's fun it's a masquerade yes um, uh well yeah that that's awesome and and anyone who's tried to scare someone knows it's hard to do it. So definitely some skill in that. And so I can definitely see that. Oh, um, it is. Yes, uh, it is difficult. Um, so I'm curious. And if you I, fail, it's no fun to be oh, laughed yeah. at. <laughs> no way. No, that, that <laughs> would hurt the ego. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I love that the screams are the applause, like you said too. That's awesome. 
Uh, and then kind of as we wrap things up, one thing I was always curious about, and I didn't know if you knew this, but are there like some really haunted places in Kansas city? Uh, like not like the edge, mm-hmm. edge of hell or the beast that people can go to during this season. If they're feeling spooky, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we still have some of those things. So it was years ago, the chambers of Edgar Allan Poe prior to us purchasing that building used to be the old catacombs and that Ooh. owner was actually killed in that building. Um, you, you, I mean, it was very well known, but you also have to remember these old manufactured buildings. This is the original Kansas city and Back in the days of manufacturing, there were men who lost their lives or limbs that died in these buildings. And so now, I don't know. I've been in these buildings and um, with my family doing these attractions since I was five years old. I think of the ghosts more as angels. I've never really seen one or encountered one, but I have a lot of employees that claim that they have. And what's kind of interesting is that a lot of time their stories do match in what they're experiencing and we had I think it was called Ghost Lab do you remember that show they came out yeah. and they monitored and all this over there at Chambers of Edgar Allan Poe now they said the ghosts in there were mean as hell and that they were physical and pushed and touched and you know that um, one of our foremen, he claims, swears up and down that the ghost got him, touched him. He went running from the building and we found him outside dazed and confused. And he refused to go back in and quit working. And then one of our other managers swears that the ghost shoved her down the stairs, broke her wrist. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, th- I mean, I, th- that's a scary environment. So people, um, you know, because this episode will be coming out right before Halloween who want to come down. Uh, for a little bit of a scare, uh, what's the best way for them to get tickets uh, for? Uh, sure, you can go week? online. Yeah, you can go online to edgehell.com or kcbeast.com. You can also purchase at the door. And um, of course, we're also taking cat and dog food at the door. If you bring in um, either or, we will give you $5 off your ticket. And all that goes to Great Plains during the harsh winter months to help feed the animals. Um, so yeah, we would love to see you and come on down. We also, if you have a group, um, of course, with COVID and what have you, but we also do what's called the Ghost and Gangsters Tour, which is an amazing two-hour bus ride around Kansas City talking about all of the amazing and famous ghosts um, in history. So that's pretty fun, too, if you're not into um, you know, high impact jump out and get to kind of scare. All right. Amber, the queen of haunts. Thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Happy Halloween. Remember screams and laughter. All right. So thanks to Amber for joining us. The queen of haunts, uh, owner and operator of the beast and edge of hell. That was uh, a lot of fun. Didn't know about all the psychology they had going into to that. I always wonder like why people like getting scared and Mm -hmm. because I don't, but I, you know, it's that adrenaline rush. There's there's, the adrenaline rush for me. It's the same reason my people, you know, get on a roller coaster. Yeah. Or, or, um, it's just the anxiety, man. I don't know. Maybe I have some, some underlying issues I don't know about, but (laughs) because I love roller coasters and I love the thrill and I would like jump out of an airplane in a heartbeat, but the, the fear, the fear, I think it's just a different one. It's just a different type of anxiety 
and a different type of adrenaline rush. And that's what gets me. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm glad we got to know that. Um, I think his name was Harry. The rat guy is yeah. a really nice guy. Great guy. And um, the, the rats enjoy going in his mouth and think it's like a bath. Um, so it's real. It's a real rat. He's really going in the mouth. We know that now. Uh, so thanks again uh, for all the stories, Amber. We appreciate um, you coming on the show with us. All right, let's uh, let's see. Oh, we, we do have a little deets on the streets this week. Love yeah. it. Uh, we get to combine a little history and traffic in Kansas City. Uh, all right, we got Pershing Avenue this week. I think it's Pershing Road. I think it might be Pershing Road. Mm, it is Pershing it's a typo. Road. Typo. Pershing so, Road this week. Pershing Road is a little tiny strip of road. Uh, only in front of Union Station. So it only like runs like right in front of Union Station. But the reason I um, chose it this week is because I was in St. Louis this week. We'll say something nice about St. Louis later. But I was in St. Louis this weekend for a wedding and the house I was staying at was also on Pershing. And I was like, hey, there's a Pershing in Kansas City. And then I remember there's a Pershing Hall at, at Mizzou. Uh, there's a, mm-hmm. a hall named after him. So this is General John J. Pershing. He was born in Laclede, Missouri in 1860. Um, went to uh, the Military Academy. What is it? What's it called? West Point. West Point Military yep. Academy. Um, basically was a, was a stud there. Um, just rose through the ranks as fast as possible. He, um, back in the day, the Army, they did not advance people by because they were more intelligent. You only advanced through the army by seniority until Mr. John J. Pershing, because he skipped about 864 other colonels to get promoted to general. Uh, and, and he skipped, uh, like three other classes and jumped. Uh, he was appointed by Teddy Roosevelt himself, your boy handpicked my boy, Teddy. Um, happy birthday he, to Teddy today too. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was the commander of the American extraditionary forces on the Western Front in World War One. So this is like every interest I have, history, traffic, World War One, all combined into one. Mm-hmm. Um, after World War One, General John Pershing was promoted to general of the entire U.S. Army, earning the ever-elusive four-star general status. And uh, yeah, just, just a real smart general guy. Uh, yeah, it looks like he's from about 120 miles north east of kansas city yeah uh, but wow all right thank you for your service general john j pershing there it is pershing road um so those are the deets on the street so i'm guessing everything was after him st louis yeah, yeah. columbia all of that mm-hmm. very cool all right uh next let's jump into our uh kansas city end of the week uh and this week uh we're going to preemptively give our kansas city end of the week to the Toronto Raptors. So mm. let's let's just talk this into existence. Yep. Welcome to Kansas City, Toronto Raptors. Uh, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, the Raptors are looking for a new home city for next season because Canada is not allowing travel travelers from the U.S. into Canada, so they mm-hmm. can't play their schedule, so they need a U.S.-based home. And uh, our boy Mayor Quentin Lucas is putting together a bid to get him here. We've got the Maybe. Sprint Center, you know, uh, T-Mobile Center, the T-Mobile Center. No, Quentin said on Twitter he's working on it. 
Um, so also, Toronto Pat Mahomes Raptors. tweeted, tweeted, let's make it happen. And then Quentin said, I'm working on it. So if Mahomes yeah. can speak it into existence, um, then I think that I think we're good. But yeah, I think every concert for the rest of the year has been canceled at the Sprint Center. So I literally don't, I, there's, there's nothing there's, conflicting. Uh, yeah. Uh, Schedules with, wide with open. Schedule, I know Louisville is in, Schedule uh, is, is in right, the wide open. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. so Toronto. Come on in. My favorite is these fucking KU fans who are tweeting, uh, no. So this KU fan, no. Kansas City already pretty much has a professional team in KU basketball. I don't want the NBA taking attention away from one of the best basketball schools of all time. This is the epitome, the epitome of a Kansas basketball fan right here. Something that could be put, that could be really good for Kansas City. Bring a lot of revenue in. Bring a lot of attention. Nope. Not if it takes away a, a, the sliver of attention paid to KU basketball, who's mm-hmm. won one in, uh, NBA championship in the, or one NCAA championship and gone to, what, two Final Fours in the last mm-hmm. 16 years? That's not that impressive to me. Uh, so th- this is just the epitome of KU basketball, just taking something cool, pooping into their hand, and placing that turd into the punch bowl that is something cool happening in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think you need to reply to this uh, KU fan and remind them that the Raptors were red so they can wear all their red KU stuff um, to oh, Raptors yeah. games. V- like they love go. wearing red KU stuff to Chiefs games. And, um, and blue KU so, stuff to Royals games. Exactly. So then, you know, as KU fans, they can just continue wearing their KU stuff to non-KU events. It's a very good point. It's a very good mm-hmm. point. So, but yeah, anyways, so. Toronto Raptors... Come to Kansas City. Come on, come in. to Kansas City. You are Kansas City of the week. What an honor! Um, so if that doesn't we're trying to, to talk come, it into I don't know existence. What will. Exactly. Um, all right. Next up, um, we've got our personal pine tars. Where life's minor inconveniences, uh, you know, like a little bit too much pine tar can cause a big deal and cause us to get very upset. And this week, I I didn't get to participate in the first snow. <laughs> And I feel very left out, and like everybody is out there making a snowball, sledding, uh, you know, enjoying a walk out in the snow. And here I am in 75 degree weather, hanging out outside all day, mm. having to watch all this snowfall. I'm well, sorry, Kev. You know, it's 75 and sunny here, and I it hasn't rained in uh, I don't know month and a half. So, mm. um, what a bummer! What a bummer that I had to miss that. You know, Kevin. I hope you like feel bad. We said, like we said, life needs balance, and mm-hmm. uh, having all four seasons provides balance, and it is uh, what keeps me sane. So, uh, yeah, you should feel sad that you missed mm-hmm. the first note because it I'm is very, a tradition unlike any other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very sad that um, we haven't had to turn the heat or AC on here for the two months that I've been here. Mm. I'm so sad that again I had to. You know, go for a walk in seventy-five degree weather instead of um, enjoying this a walk yeah. in the snow, which is beautiful. The crunch Get, of the snow is beautiful. Getting your winter coat out, finding mm-hmm. five-dollar bill in there, or or yeah. something like that. You don't get to do that. So, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I love love that first snow. All right, yeah. we'll move on. My personal pine tar, very specific. <laughs> Have you ever? <laughs> yeah. It's very specific. Have you ever gone into the bathroom at a bar and there's 
on the other side of the bathroom door, there's a, a, a picture frame or something, you know, maybe a poster that's announcing like the week specials or something like that. And it's only hanging on the top. So when you open it, it swings and then bounces back into the door. And every time you open the door, it sounds like you just hit someone in the head when walking into the bathroom. Uh, I don't know if I've experienced that before. <laughs> That's I mean, my personal pie and tire this week. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, so imagine you push the door, the poster swings a little, sw- or picture frame swings off the door a little bit and then bangs back into it. And it just, you feel like you hit someone in the head when you open the door and it gives you a little scare. That's my personal oh, pie and tire. Gotcha. I thought you were going to be more like, uh, just how disgusting like bathroom bar doors can be. Yeah, that's um, true. Because I, I feel like drunk people don't wash their hands or anything like that. And then sometimes there's no uh, paper towels to like open the door with. And then you got to touch touch the bar bathroom door. But mm-hmm. uh, that is super specific. What? Why don't you like that? Like, because you think you hit someone in the head? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. and you're just like, why don't they just nail this down? Yeah, why, why don't they just nail it down? Mm, or I have it at all. It's probably like a. D, it's probably like one of those like cheesy DUI uh, lawyer posters. You know? <laughs> yeah. Not cheesy. <laughs> Not cheesy. Not cheesy. Uh, yeah, I can see why you'd be so upset about that. Um, all right, uh, you were in St. Louis uh, this weekend for wedding. Yeah. Um, and um, as we always do, and uh, when we go to St. Louis, we try to say something nice about uh, the city on the other side of the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Danny. Say something nice about St. Louis. We've got some St. Louis listeners. Say something nice. Their Forest Park is really pretty. And okay. the 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 lake and the statue of St. Louis uh, at the at the top of the lake and then the big art museum behind it is an impressive view. Um, mm-hmm. so impressive that the streets to get to that view are blocked off. So when you're in a wedding and you have to go take pictures in front of that view, you have to walk about a half a mile because the bus can't drop you off at the good view spot because of how good of a view it is because they block the streets, which are streets, not sidewalks, streets for cars to drive on that are blocked um, because the view is so good. But um, Mm -hmm. it is an impressive view right there in Forest Park. Where the statue of Saint Saint Louis is up there, and uh, and the and the museum behind it, and the lake. So, uh, I, mm-hmm. so good. There you go. We have done this about five times, and we've already repeated that we like Forest Park. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but specifically the view that you can't drive okay. to, so that yeah. when it's fifty degrees and windy, and you yeah. have a wedding party, I hiked, and I hiked girls a cooler in, up that hill. Yeah. Girls in in heels have to walk half a mile. Um, mm-hmm. I did that, the exact same thing. Yeah, I did the so. exact same thing. Um, but yeah, it's funny that we've already ran out of nice things to say about St. Louis and repeated ourselves after five tries. <laughs> well, when you said that, I wasn't listening. So. Oh, yeah, you just tuned me out as soon as I started talking about St. Louis. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Um, Okay, so let's wrap up the show with a uh, little mix plate. And, uh, you know, with Halloween around the corner, we talked haunted houses and our fears. Um, So we wanted to talk mix plate of, uh, Danny, how would you put this, greatest fears that Kansas Cityans have? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, biggest fears, greatest fears for Kansas Cityans. 
Okay, I like that. Um, it's my birthday, and it's episode 78, um, so that means that I get to go first mm-hmm. today. I'm, like, scared to talk about a lot of these. They're so scary. Oh, gosh. Honest. Yeah, I know. Um, so my mixed plate, my meet number one of um, greatest fears of Kansas Cityans, and I don't want to say this out loud, so I'm going to just whisper it, but it's Patrick Mahomes getting hurt. Damn it. That's what I'm I very, have. very scared of Patrick Mahomes getting hurt. Um, I have. A- and like when it happened last year against Denver and like it was a terrifying really whole couple of weeks when we didn't know when he'd be back and how serious it was. Uh, so Patrick Mahomes, you know, getting hurt, I think, is the greatest fear of every Kansas City. Without a doubt. I remember watching that. Last year, um, we actually talked to Austin Ryder about it, what it was like having Pat lay mm-hmm. on top of him. Um, I was so so scared at that moment. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely my meet number one as well. Um, my meet number one, since I can't use yours, um, I'm going to go with um, drying out their brisket. So mm-hmm. if it's someone yeah. who's got a brisket going um, – and they've been, you know, brisket, that's the, the big expensive cut of meat. Um, it takes without a doubt the most effort. Mm-hmm. I've talked to people and they're just, I don't, I don't, I'm not a smoker. Um, so I, I don't have this fear, but I know Kansas Cityans, they, they're so afraid of drying out their brisket because you can taste it right away. And you don't have to be an expert barbecue eater to taste dried brisket. And mm-hmm. uh, anyone can be like, like some some schlub like me who doesn't go through the the trials of of uh, smoking, I can be like, yeah, brisket's dry, dude, and just yeah, mm-hmm. oh no, yeah, so uh, drying out the brisket. Yeah, that is definitely a, a great fear. We were at a, a barbecue competition, and our cousin was the chef. He turned in and submitted his brisket. He hated how it tasted so much that he threw the entire brisket away and didn't let anybody try it besides him. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a behavior of a normal, well-adjusted person, without a doubt. Yes. Uh-huh, exactly. Uh, but that's a Kansas City, and that's how serious they take this, and that's how great of a fear it is to, to mess up a brisket. That, that's everybody's greatest fear. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, all right, my meat number two. Um, I'm going to go with uh, potholes. Mm, yep. um, I mean, it's pothole season is nearly among us. Uh, there's nothing Kansas Cityans hate more or or more scared of drive, driving over than a big old pothole on Ward Parkway or Warnell or 75th Street, some of those war zones. Uh, but driving over a pothole, it, it that pothole season's coming, and it's it's on everybody's mind, a great fear of Kansas mm-hmm. Cityans. Yeah, I just bought a new when, car. When you too. hit it and you you know it's about to come and you can't swerve, you can't duck it, that fear and your heart goes up and then cuckoo, and then you're like, oh shit, what did I do? It's you, it sounds like your whole car breaks. Yeah, exactly. If you hit a good one. Yeah, so um, I agree. The okay, my meet number two. Um, I'm gonna go with being overlooked for a Garth Brooks concert. I mm. if. Garth Brooks is announcing a tour. Kansas Cityans are like, if if he doesn't come back to the Sprint Center, I don't know what I'm going to do. If mm-hmm. we get overlooked for a Garth Brooks tour, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
So yes. um, Kansas Cityans very afraid of of that if if that were to happen. Yeah, I think just being overlooked too. For sure, that, that is For a sure. great fear, and I think Garth Brooks definitely sums it up. I mean, we, I think the Garth Brooks banner is still hanging, hopefully, in the T-Mobile Center. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, like like seven straight sold out sold out shows. Here's um, like nine. <laughs> but yes, being overlooked for something like that that gets a, gives us a chip on our shoulder. Definitely something that we're fearful of. All right, my side number one. Um, I think this is a real fear that I that I can't remember why I thought of it. I think I was just thinking about the Royals and um, Dayton Moore, but. The Royals moving is a real fear of mine. Mm, huh. If if this rebuild doesn't work with this next wave of of pitchers and and young hit power hitters that we may or may not have, like the Royals weren't bought. I mean, John Sherman bought them, and he is, you know, a Kansas City and committed to Kansas City. But there was a lot of people in that ownership group. And that's not common. They're all Kansas They are, but but that's not common for uh, professional sports to be owned uh, by that big of an ownership group. And it's because one person wasn't willing to put up all the money for it. Mm. And so that that it, it makes me a little nervous. It, it happened in the early two thousands. We were scared of it. Um, you know, the stadium's out in the middle of nowhere and only getting older. Um, the stadium's going to move downtown, Kev. It and scares then that me. Fear Attendance will go is away. going down. It, it scares me. I think that could save it, but I think there there is a legitimate fear of that. Okay, that's existential fear for sure. Um, mm. All right, my side number one. I'm going to go with um, also Royals. Joaquim Soria. I used <laughs> to just be like, oh God. Yeah. I'm afraid we're going to lose this game now because Joaquin mm-hmm. Soria has entered the and has entered the game, and now uh, my anxiety is going through the roof. Um, mm-hmm. My fear of losing the game has gone through the roof. So uh, Joaquin Soria was definitely one someone I feared uh, a lot when uh, when he was on the team. Yeah, uh, definitely Joaquin Soria part due was oh, yeah. very due due. Um, very scary. Um, all right. Um, let's see. Uh, my um, side number two. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Um, I don't know. <clears throat> I'm gonna go with uh, Joe's running out of burnt ends. Uh, <laughs> yeah. is, is a great fear, like because Joe's uh, their original gas station location has brisket on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Jo- uh, and burnt ends. Burn-ins. Burn-ins on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And so if you're going on those days, you're probably going to be waiting in a very, very long line and just praying that when you get to the end of it, that there's still some burnt-ins left for you. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think that's a real fear that I might stand in this line for an hour and come up empty on burn-ins. So it's never happened to me, but it's definitely something in the back of my mind every time I'm standing in line for burnt-ins at Joe's Kansas City. So... Big fear. Yep. All right. My side number two. Um, I'm going to say rain. Rain. <laughs> Dude, when any. We're very floodable. We're very when, floodable. When any type of precipitation hits, 
people just drive like the biggest wimps on the planet. And mm. as much as it hates, I, I hate to say it, Kansas City, we're a bunch of wimpy drivers and we do not handle uh, rain well. We do not handle snow well. I was looking at like tweets this morning. There was like 100 accidents this morning uh, because of a little snow. Um, timid driving is less safe than than normal driving. You should be cautious, but you should not drive timidly. And when it rains or it snows a little, people start driving like they're afraid. That is a dangerous way to drive. And uh, that is what Kansas Cityans are afraid of, is mm-hmm. precipitation on the road because then they start driving like big old wimps. Yes, yes. Um, let's see what else I had on here. Um, I think this is a fear that we're over now, but Madison Bumgardner. Mm-hmm. Scary. That was yeah. scary looking down the barrel at Madison Bumgardner. Um, I had and- going east and west on this because Kansas Cityans were will definitely will always go north and south. If we go north and south, like if you ask me to go somewhere on like 119th, I'll be like, sure. But if you ask me to go to like Black Bob or like Quivira, I'm like, no. Are you kidding me? I'm not going that far west. No way. Even though it's like the same distance as going to 119th and State Line or Warnell where I live. Like going going the same distance west, I'd be like, mm. no, not nah, yeah, nope, won't do it. Um, I also have I, I don't know I think I am still scared of this, uh, but Andy Reid and uh, timeouts, just mm-hmm. that combination. Um, uh, Andy right Reid and clock management, scary. Right now, I'm very afraid that we are trying to justify our first round pick in Clyde edwards alaire by mm-hmm. running him too much because we need to justify why we took him in the first round. And so we're not we're not being aggressive enough uh play calling. I'm very mm-hmm. afraid of that. Yeah. Any any other fears you think Kansas Cityans are having? Um uh Eric Eric Fisher getting hurt. And yeah. then and while he's not great, as we've seen, he's much better than any backup we have. So mm-hmm. uh we need Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz healthy. Yeah. All right. Uh, so those are our what we think Kansas Cityans' greatest fears are. Uh, thanks again to Amber for joining us uh, this week to talk about the haunted houses. Um, Chiefs moved to six and one. It's my birthday. Don't forget about it, guys. Uh, and uh, that's all we have for you this week. Be, be sure to follow us on social media at State Your Line. Check us out uh, www.stateyourline.com. We'll see you around, Kansas City.